Jillian Pensavalli. Hey, Patrick Hines. What are we talking about today? We're talking about there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a cloud. Like I'm like I'm in like a haze. I feel terrible. Yeah. Guys, this I is know. rough. But you wanted it, so we're giving so it to you. So here we are. Nine one one. Hi, I'm at the Con Expressway. The car is going like thirty miles an hour in the wrong direction. I want to know what happened to my wife. What they're saying is not true. I wouldn't be doing this. I said to Diane, have a safe trip home. If she stopped for Advil, something was bothering her. If you just come forward and say, I'm sorry, she made a mistake, you could accept that. What are you trying to cover up? You tell me she was having a stroke or she was uh, hallucinating due to an abscess. We're going to have to live with that. There will never be a concrete answer with absolute certainty which can be given as to what happened all right so julian tell the people how we're this is how we're going to do this episode yeah this movie is very well done but it's not the best to talk to talk about on a podcast because it's everywhere it goes everywhere so what we're going to do is talk about just the timeline of what happened the incident the crime yeah and then we're going to go back and talk about the people we meet yeah. during this documentary. <laughs> there are many of them. So the husband and wife are Dan and Diane Schuler, not Skyler. Not Skyler. My, my phone and computer autocorrected <laughs> to Skyler. That's a Hamilton reference, people. Okay, so this happens on a camping trip. What, what is the date of the camping trip? So it's Sunday. Well, it's this whole weekend. It's the weekend of Sunday, July 26, 2009. And who all is in attendance? So it's the Schulers, Diane and Daniel Schuler, their children, and then their nieces. And they have an, an older son named Brian and a younger daughter, Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. And then there's the three nieces. So basically they've gone on this like what <laughs> they've gone to this like very fancy looking campground. Yes. Um and they've been there all weekend and now uh, so according to Daniel on the morning of the day, he wakes up and he goes and cleans the boat at around 6 a.m. You do what you got to do, he said. <laughs> I take his word for it. I've never cleaned a boat. He comes back, he wakes up Diane like around 6:45 7 o'clock. We then, got, oh, we gotta start. We gotta clean up the campa. The way he says campa, campa, all the way throughout this movie, campa, campa, <laughs> to beat the traffic. To beat the traffic. Is that that just feels so New York and local <laughs> Listen, to me? I grew up me? on Cape Cod, and so I know all about beating the yeah, traffic. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, you do what you gotta do, Dan. You I'm do with what you. you. Gotta I, do. Listen, you I know it. Beat that traffic. They yeah. load up the car. They have one, two, three cups of coffee, and they're on their way. <laughs> they do. That's correct. That's correct. They're on their way. So they planned it where uh, Daniel would take the dog. Yeah. In his car. And Diane, this was planned. Like yes. they, they borrowed a minivan for the sake of Diane yeah. driving the kids home. Right. Now at 9 a.m., yeah. Diane's brother, Warren Hance, receives a call from his daughter, Emma. Yeah. Everything's fine. They're on their way. Everything's great. Now Warren and Jackie are the parents of the three additional children in the car. All of whom die. Yes. And they do not participate in this documentary, very understandably. Oh my God. I can't even... I can't even. So at 9.30, both cars are on their way. Yeah. By 9.56 a.m., they stop at the McDonald's in Liberty, New York. The employee <laughs> says she didn't seem drunk. She didn't smell drunk. Investigators from the Liberty Station were able to obtain a video from the McDonald's, which was time-stamped. showed Diane Schuler entered McDonald's with the children. We additionally interviewed the McDonald's employee who served her. He said that he did remember her and did not remember her being intoxicated or smelling of alcohol. The children were playing in the playground. They seemed to be having a good time. Through this video, we saw no obvious signs of intoxication. 
I remember the first time I saw this movie. This was important. Like, th- this is the second witness. We haven't much talked yet about Ann Scott. We'll get back to her. Yeah. The proprietress of the campground. Sure. In her golf cart. In her golf cart. I love her so much. Saying hello to everybody. <laughs> but like my mother, knowing nobody's actual name. Oh, no. Why? I mean, there's so it's a revolving door of guests. She doesn't have time for that. So, but Anne also says that she's like, seems sober to me, you know, yeah. like, so at this point by 956 there, everyone's fine. Next stop is 1045. They go to the gas station. This is. If you've ever been on the internet, you've seen this video of Diane yeah, Schuler Like pulling out, like getting gas. Yeah. And then we see her in the convenience store of the gas station. She's she clearly- looks fine. There's the Sunoco video where you see her at the pump getting out of the car and then she uh, goes in uh, at the gas station. Um, then she goes in and apparently asks for some sort of pain meds, which they don't have. She walked in, spoke to the clerk. We don't know what was said. There's no audio. And walked out um, with nothing. Again, there was no obvious signs of intoxication at this time. At 11.37 a.m., Diane calls Jackie, who's the mother of the nieces in the car. They're running late. But they also have to make plans because they're getting tickets to see the kids in the local school play. Right. And Jay, who we'll get to, calls it play practice. (laughs) Diane called and said we're running a little late because the girls had play practice. It's rehearsal, Jay. Please. It's rehearsal. Play practice. Okay. Around 12, 12.30... There are witnesses who see the car changing lanes aggressively, say that the driver, Diane, was clutching the wheel. She sort of looked like she was on a mission. So yeah. even though the car is driving erratically, there's also a, a feeling of precision in, in how she's driving. Right. Like she's not swerving. She's not, you know. Yeah, she's changing lanes, but not swerving, if right. that makes sense. Exactly. It's all very deliberate. Yeah. But each time it made the movement, it did it. it the vehicle was kind of, it, it was very precise. Like it, it would move into the lane. It would move out of the lane, uh, and it was done with some degree of precision. At 12.55 p.m., a wrong number is dialed from Diane's phone. Right. We don't know who it is. They don't say who it ended up being. Nothing. At 1.01 p.m., Diane calls Jackie and Warren. She sounds disoriented. Again, that's the the parents of the three girls who are in the car. Mm -hmm. The call only lasted about two and a half minutes. It was very confusing, so Warren calls back. Warren calls back, and, and he says later to the police that she sounds disoriented, doesn't sound like herself. She calls him Danny, which is her husband's name. Mm Mm-hmm. And the kids were crying in the background. Right. This has gone from zero to a million. A million. Um, the kids are now hysterical in the background. Right. So we that's 101. At 102, <laughs> Diane's oldest niece gets on the phone. And this is where we get, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Yeah. And I just got full body chills. Aunt Diane can't see. There's something wrong with her. She's talking to her parents. Yes. Yes. This is... Uh, her, the oldest niece, Emma. And then... They pull over. So they pull over and, and the parents are like, Emma, where are you? Look for a sign, look for a sign. And she sees a sign that says Terrytown. Right. Warren, like, jumps into his car and, like, tears off for Terrytown. Right. So he goes from Long Island, which is where the family's based, and, like, flies to the Tappan Zee Bridge. Yeah. Like, it's... so uh, Like, obviously. Right. Like, what else on earth are you going to do? So then by 110 now... They're back in the car. Yeah. And three wrong numbers are dialed from Diane's phone. Right. Yeah. We have no idea who, why, what, how, whatever. Right. Then Warren calls again at 115. It goes, goes to voicemail. To voicemail. Then... The cops say at around this time, she leaves her phone on the divider of when they were pulled over. Now, the police didn't pull them over. Diane just, like, had the car pulled over. Yeah, yeah, She leaves her phone on the Jersey barrier, the the divider, at the Tappan Zee Bridge. The phone was located right after the Tappan Zee Bridge tolls on a pull-off off off to the right. Someone had found her cell phone sitting on a guide rail. 
over. And this is like her normal route. Like this is the route that she would have taken to go home. Right. But then she diverges. Right. Her entire route up until the Tappan Zee Bridge is consistent with what she would have normally done. Then it becomes unclear as to why she got off the highway and where she went. She gets to the Taconic, and that's where she gets on the highway going the wrong way. Right. We know that uh, Diane Schuler enters the Taconic State Parkway going south in the northbound lane, uh, approximately 1.7 miles north of the point of impact. She drives this 1.7 miles at a high rate of speed, and you have half a dozen callers to 911. And she crashes head 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 on into yeah. a car carrying the Bastardi family the Bastardi family and it is they show like a like a computer animation of like what happened to all the cars and her car just like spins off the highway up onto the like embankment and the kids are thrown everyone is thrown from the car yeah. the three people in the oncoming car all three of them also die and everyone in both cars except for Brian Diane's, Diane's son right and he's severely injured. Yes. But he he's he's okay, guys. Yeah, he has eye injuries. He has to do these like eye exercises every day and he's really good at them. He is really Doing good at them. Really yeah. Well at them. <laughs> so good for you, Brian. You're being awesome. So that's what happened. And what we come to find out. And we're out- done. But I mean, do we have to keep talking about it? <sighs> so the whole thing about this documentary is that it's such a mystery. What was wrong with Aunt Diane? What happened? Yeah. So we'll go into not just the people that we meet, but the autopsy, what was found in her bloodstream, why she maybe acted the way she did. Yeah. And we're going to speculate wildly. <laughs> so it sort of all starts with a press conference, right? Yeah. Um, so four days after the accident, the police hold a press conference and some bombshells are dropped. Yeah. The toxicology from that autopsy shows that Diane Schuler had a blood alcohol content of 0.19%. The legal limit for intoxication in New York State is 0.08%. Toxicology also reveals that Diane Schuler had a high level of THC. THC is the active ingredient contained in marijuana. Um, the weight is what's very important in calculating the number of drinks, and with that level of alcohol, it's approximately 10 drinks are still in her at this time. Now, I will say that there is a close-up of uh, Betsy Spratt in the background. She's the director of toxicology in Westchester County, and she is does not enjoy being there. She also has no time for bullshit, <laughs> yours or anybody else's. We'll get to her. She's like, because she knows more than you. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask her. She'll tell you. Okay, so in response, a few days later, Daniel holds his own press conference, and Jay is there by his side. Right. Jay is Daniel's sister-in-law. Right. Jay is married Jay's to, a woman. Jay, yes, Jay's a woman. Jay is married to Daniel's brother. Right. And she becomes, it's really Daniel and Jay who are really leading the investigation into the fact that Diane did not have the blood alcohol level. They just, they just can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like everything in this documentary, this press conference is sprinkled throughout. We're going to kind of go through the whole press conference right now. Right. So they think so so at this press conference Daniel is saying that she's the perfect wife, the perfect mother, he'd marry her again tomorrow. This there's something something has gone wrong with this autopsy and she would never do this. Listen to this. I go to bed every night knowing my heart is clear. She did not drink. She's not an alcoholic. Listen to all that. She is not an alcoholic and my heart is rested every night when I go to bed. Something medically had to happen. They are convinced that 
there was a medical thing that happened. Yeah, the idea that maybe she had a stroke. They think something other than alcohol is what caused her to have a blood alcohol level of 0.19. That's really... But then a reporter throws a question to the family. (laughs) Mr. Shuler. Can you swing the bottle of vodka? Sure. Yeah, the the state police tells me um, that there was a bottle of absolute vodka in the van. Do you know where that came from? Oof. Uh, <laughs> not a softball, guys. Not no, a softball. That is like so, overhanded. Right. Just, wow. So it turns out that there was a bottle of vodka found in the car. Yeah, there was like the big bottle of Absolute that you would find. Like the big glass bottle. Yeah. But now they're coming back from a camping trip. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're, I mean, like they're packed for the weekend. Like, there's no way I would go into the woods without a big bottle of vodka. Right. You put the kids to bed. Exactly. You're hanging out behind the camp, at the camp, behind the campfire what <laughs> you're hanging out at the campfire like it's just there the Schuler family is just instant denial nope 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 yeah. nope nope just say you guys had a couple cocktails when after the kids and she went smoked to bed. some pot yeah okay right like don't say like daniel does this it's a trend throughout the whole thing no she never never smoked pot never well occasionally but she never did it and it's right. like in the same breath contradicts just say she smoked weed to relax right if she's really this perfect mother who had what had control of everything and three kids and all their activities and then they reference daniel daniel's own mother is like daniel was like her oldest child right yeah like, she's got then, like a high-powered job she's like taking care like if she needs some weed to go to sleep whatever man right right, right. you do you but like for them to deny, 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 and then all of these scientific facts come out, and then it's like, well, yeah. no, it's just like it's a bad look. Just say it, man. <laughs> so to talk, let's talk a little bit more about Jay. Okay, I love, I love Jay. Jay's like got a heart of gold. Heart of gold, hair of gold. She gold jewelry, gold, gold everything. <laughs> she also like in the background of every single shot, there's a pack of cigarettes. Every single shot with Jay, there's a pack. And then at one point, she's like, you know, nobody in my family knows I smoke. No one like in my family knows I smoke. So this is gonna be this. Well, Jay Jay has a thing about the word ironic. <laughs> Jay doesn't really know what the word ironic means. Yep. Everything's ironic. So at the end of the movie where she's like, nobody knows I smoke. So they're like finding all these things out about Diane that they didn't know. Yeah. And then she's like, my family's going to find out that I smoke in this documentary. I was like, Jay, sweetheart, that's irony. That's when you use the word ironic. Missed opportunity. Also, you know that like Jay, God bless her soul, walks into every room smelling like an ashtray. Her hand is like this. She yeah. j- just, I feel like it's just morphed into the cigarette, holding a cigarette. Position, but Jay. Everyone knows you smoke Jay. Everyone needs to have a Jay in their life. Jay. Jay is the most amazing woman. She immediately steps in to take care of Brian. She's like a surrogate mom. She's like there's like a black screen that says she takes care of him three to four days a week and on the weekends. Like so every day. It's always there every day. She has this really sweet story where she, you know, she's like reflecting. She really looked up to Diane. Mm -hmm. And there's the moment where Jay tells us that Diane had asked her to be the godmother for for their youngest for their daughter Mm -hmm. and how much it meant to her. Diane, like, when she asked me to be a godmother of Aaron, I, like, I'm like, oh, my God, she really does like me. You know, I was, like, so thrilled. People really wanted to be liked by Diane. That's yeah. another theme. Jay also um, really loved true crime. I'm very big into mystery shows. I, I live for watching those. And even before this, that's all I would watch. And it's just ironic to me that I feel like I'm on one of them. You see her scrolling the internet. She's like watching the video of Diane at the gas station on one of those like. It's on Newsday.com. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Newsday is like 
the Long Island newspaper. Oh, yeah. I've watched this like numerous times over and over again. And she was fine. I mean, that's what's frustrating. Yeah, and also, like, she reads the YouTube comments. Girl, <laughs> you never read the YouTube comments. No, not ever. They will... They are awful and vile. You don't do that. And then she, he's, she's like, look what they call Diane. Of course. I know. I know. Get off the YouTube comments. <laughs> it's the worst place ever on the internet. We'll we'll come back to Jay. Jay is with us throughout this whole thing. Yeah, I don't think we're going to leave Jay. No. Jay's just going to be hanging out. There's two other characters I want to talk about really quickly. Oh. Um, Daniel's lawyer. Dominic Barbara. Can we talk about him for a Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Dominic Barbara. So, first of all, he is so self-important. You know why they came to me originally? To go public. That was from day one. They didn't just pick my name out of a hat. They wanted to go public. And I still think it was the right thing to do. Well, he did represent Joey Buttafuoco. Is that his claim to fame? Yes! <laughs> he is the worst. He's the worst. He's, he's the worst. Like, he is just the sleazier, the better. He yeah. loves it. He loves it. He loves it. And fun fact, he also uh, knew he worked with Michael Lohan. Oh, good. Great. And he was arrested for stalking, extorting, and harassing his ex-wife. He's a winner. <laughs> and single, ladies. <laughs> this is the type of guy we're, we're Right. And at one here. point, he's like, you know, I've taken a lot of heat for taking this case. I've taken more grief on this case than some of the really Buttafuoco and Jessica Hahn cases of the 70s and 80s. And my friendship with certain celebrities. This took more heat. And it cuts to like the, you know, the fifth character from the right from 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 your favorite show, The Sopranos. It's Michael Imperioli. Yeah. And then he like, f- of course, finds a way to make it about him. He's like, this has been a very emotional case for me. For you? This has been a very um, painful, emotionally painful experience, this case. But then he also hooks the family up with the dirt baggiest of dirt bag private investigators. So the idea is that they want to get Diane's body like exhumed and retested. They want like a new autopsy. They want to somehow prove that she had a medical problem, a medical situation that made this happen and that she wasn't actually drunk. Right. And the documentary crew is like, we'll help you. Yeah. Like, we'll help you do this. But are you okay that you might not like what you hear? Right. And they're like, yes. Spoiler. No. Right. So they get this private the, the the lawyer hooks them up with this private investigator who's worked on like all these big high profile cases who basically is like I need money for this, I need money for this, I need money for this and then just disappears. Tom Ruskin, right? Tom Ruskin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everything was about all right, well we got to get this done. I'm going I'm getting the samples, I'm getting this, I'm getting that and we're going to need more money. $10,000 and $30,000. We don't have this money. You know, we're taking it from here, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. And Diane was the breadwinner. But I convinced everyone, follow Tom. Tom's going to do it. And nothing was done. Nothing was done. How do you do that to people? So, but here's the thing about that that makes me like, maybe he just didn't, they just didn't like what he told them. Oh, right. I mean, there is point. There is one point where like the documentary crew calls them and he's, they're like, listen, it, you did get some stuff tested. Can we have that? Hi, Tom. Hi, how you doing? I'm okay, how you doing? Good, just a little bit busy. Uh, when I was speaking to my people, my agent, my attorney, they said twenty, twenty-five thousand. Otherwise, you know, it's just not worth your time. Right, it's just not even in the ballpark of what documentaries, you know. Hey, right. we wouldn't supply the test results. We would not supply, you know, the pictures and the video. It's not worth us getting it out of archive and out of where we've stored it, running around and spending our time doing that versus 
working for a client for tens of thousands of dollars a day. And Liz Garbus, the documentarian, is like, oh, hi, we're a documentary. Yeah, like, exactly. No documentary has that She's mind. like, I live in a storage unit. I make documentaries. Right. And then amazing woman that she is she's like i'll just fucking get them myself yeah. and then she does yeah, of course. and she gets all these medical records and the dental records yeah. and then of course jay's like i find it ironic that you got the jay <laughs> <sighs> well but it is kind of a bombshell like what do we learn when when they get these medical records so diane had some tooth issues then an oral exam no cleaning so obviously she was still having pain yeah she had it she had the root canal then they went to go in and do more she really would not get that finished. It was too... She just hated it, right? You too much pain. She was getting root canals that apparently were not going well. So, so, uh, she, they, like, left in the middle she of She left in the middle. So, like, a root canal is a multi-appointment process, but uh-huh. they say that she got up in the middle of one of the root canal appointments and just left. And, like, no one... Like, Daniel doesn't really have any information about yeah. this. Like, it seems like Jay and Daniel are learning about this for the first time. Right. And then we also learned that... This was another thing that Diane did. She never wanted anyone to know that anything was less than perfect. She was never in any pain. Like, she kept all of that a secret. And, I mean, for years. I mean, those dental records are from, like, 2005 to 2008. Right, exactly. So this is a long – she's been in a lot of pain. And several people have said that she was rubbing her jaw – like, in the days and months leading up to the crash, she was rubbing her jaw a lot. Right, yeah. This was something that was really plaguing her a lot. Yeah. You guys ever had conversations about any kind of pain she was having? Um, you know, I know I I know she did have issues with um like especially that last week, every time I, I would see her, she would be holding her jaw or moving her mouth around, you know, like moving her lower jaw. Speaking of Diane, this is like a good a good time to interject her backstory. Mm-hmm. So we get some backstory about Diane, right? Yeah, she was the youngest of four. She was the only girl. Yeah. At when she was nine years old, her mother left, and she didn't like talking about it. Just like she left never, the family. Just left the family. It, th- at this point in the documentary, it's kind of a mystery as to why the mom left. Like Daniel doesn't really know. What did she say about her? That she left when Diane was young. She didn't like bringing it up. Was it something that she just kind of didn't deal with? It seemed like it bothered her, but she wouldn't talk about it, and I never push pushed. There's yeah. one her like Diane's best friend Christine does know but doesn't want to talk about it. Which I thought was like Christine. I know, I know, I know. Do we know why her mom left her house, the house, or left the dad? I did. So you don't you don't want to talk about her mom? No. I'm sorry. We cut from Christine being like, uh, yeah, I know, but I'm not saying anything. And then I think it's her friend Michelle is like, mother ran away with the neighbor. <laughs> the mother left with the next door neighbor. I think it was like a family friend. But, you know, she never complained about it. She never talked about it. Like, it was as if, like, almost like she wasn't even there. And I'm like, that sucks, and that is super traumatizing. Like, I'm not taking yeah. any weight away from that, but, like, it's not the crazy... Everyone's no. acting like, I can't speak about why. Like, she <laughs> ran away with the neighbor of all the things. You know what I mean? Like, yes. oh, wow, so someone got divorced because another person was... In, like, one people in the one person in the marriage was interested in somebody else. That's yeah. not shocking, it's true. It's guys. true, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But we learned about Diane growing up that like she was really heavy at points. Mm-hmm. She never really had a boyfriend. Right. And then, but she was like super tight with her girlfriends in, in um, high school. Yeah. She won all kinds of superlatives. I was like, oh God, I haven't heard that word in a long time. I know. Seeing a superlative, she got like seven of them. You know, she was loudest, most fun to be around. Class clown. Class clown. You know, actually someone that didn't like to be in the spotlight. She was in the spotlight just because that she had just such a, Big personality. She was like, they were like the party girls. Yeah. And they, she's like, they were like, well, we weren't crazy, but we were loud. And I'm like, <laughs> I know exactly who you are. I know exactly who you guys are. We were definitely, I wouldn't say crazy. We weren't, but we were, we were loud. We were fun. You know, we liked the attention. Totally. They were like the loud party girls. They yeah. like traveled in the pack. Totally. And Diane, again, like everyone wanted to be liked by Diane. And if she didn't like you, you knew about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So one of her high school friends, Michelle, mm-hmm. um, she goes to Michelle's wedding. My God, she's like lost so... Michelle's like, she lost a ton of weight. She came to my wedding. I guess it was right before my wedding is when she had lost the most weight ever. I looked amazing. And she had come to my wedding and that's actually where she had met Danny. Uh-huh. They cut to pictures. And Diane looks different in every single photo. She looks so... There's like some photos of her in high school where she's really big. Mm-hmm. And then you see this picture of her at this wedding and she looks like a marathon runner. Yeah. And she's radiant. She just looks totally. so happy yeah, totally. in this photo. But she meets Daniel at this wedding and she's like never had a boyfriend before mm-hmm. and like falls immediately head over heels in love and it's like, that's it. Like, this is, this is it. This is the man for me. That was her first love and... I think she knew that, you know, it was going to be her only love. Yeah. And according to the friends, I mean, that relationship is what made them sort of just fall out of touch. Oh, this is so heartbreaking because you hear Diane and Dan had been married for 13 years when Diane died. Mm -hmm. And these friends hadn't spoken to her in 10 years. Yeah. When was the last time you had spoken with her? About 10 years. 10 years. Mm -hmm. So what happened with you guys that you didn't speak for all that time? How did that work? How did that work out? Mm -hmm. You know, Dan- Danny just likes to be Danny, and, 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 and they like to do their own thing. I and mean, we never never got into a fight. There was never an argument. There was never a reason why we stopped talking. It just stopped. Th- that's it. There was no there's no rhyme or reason why it ended. And, you know, you and I were talking, like, that happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes life happens, and it, it's not something like the person didn't do anything. Yeah, but yeah. you just sometimes you realize, I don't have anything in common with this person anymore, and that sucks, and I wish them the best forever. Yeah, totally. But, like, what are we going to say over coffee? So back to Daniel and Jay. They're like on this, it's like they're on this crusade to prove. They're doing like a press junket. I they're, know. they're on every I television know. show. They go on Larry King. <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> I love that Larry King is like right for the, he's like not wasting any time. Is He's literally like, tell me about the vodka bottle. What's that all about? Daniel, how do you explain the vodka? And what is the response? Jay's like, well, we wanted to make pina coladas. <laughs> You know, you have pina coladas. You sit by a campfire, right, cooking campfire. marshmallows. Patrick, you were a bartender for a long time. <laughs> I was, in fact. Yeah. Is, do you use nope, vodka and pina coladas? You don't put vodka in a pina sure colada. don't. That is a rum cocktail, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Jay, you sweet, beautiful you, tropical fish. Tropical fish, Jay. It's I not know. ironic. So. The thing is, though, like, stop lying. Just say you guys well, had some cocktails. Like, so this is a good point. This is a good. This is a good point in the conversation to talk about the other family that was killed because right. they say on on Larry King, like, we don't want this other family to think that their family was killed by a drunk driver. Daniel, why appear here? Why keep on doing this? The truth. Mm. The truth will come out. Well, Larry, you have to understand. Danny doesn't want the other families to think that a drunk driver killed their families. That's why we are out to prove that she 
try to prove that she wasn't drunk. We meet the Bastardi ladies. I love them. The Bastardi? Wait, what are their names? Roseanne Guzzo and Margaret Nicotina. <laughs> I love them. I'll go I for coffee them with them. I don't care if I don't have anything in common with them. I will. I love these ladies. So they are, um, just to like stop the jokes real quick. Yeah. So the people who died in the car that Diane hit, Guy Bastardi, who was 49, Michael Bastardi, who was 81, and Daniel Longo, who was 74. So these ladies, Roseanne and Margaret, they're Guy's sisters. Yeah. And they have no time no. for the Schulers. But you know what? They do have a lot of forgiveness for Diane, which I think is amazing. They're like, I've made my peace. I've forgiven Diane. You know who I haven't forgiven? They're like the family, on the other hand. <laughs> I've gotten to a point I forgive Diane Shula. I pray for her like I pray for my father and my brother. And those children. Right. The family that's still alive, I'm still working on. Because yeah. they cannot handle, like they even say they were like the lies and the stories that are yeah, changing. Yeah, it's like, yeah. did you guys have that bottle or did you not? Were right. you making pina coladas? No. Right. Well, she's smoking with hot or not. <laughs> Like, so it's just, they are so frustrated and I understand their no, point me too, of view me too. a zillion percent. If you just come forward and say, I'm sorry, she made a mistake, you could accept that. Right. But to have to keep lying and try to cover up, why? What are you trying to cover up? What happened? And then I say to him, you know, what's with the denial? You denying this is enabling other people to do the same thing. I mean, the right thing to do is to admit, you know, my wife was drunk. Don't let this happen to your family. Because they they managed to do that thing that you can only do if you are really healed, which Mm -hmm. is to be frustrated without being angry because they don't seem angry they seem frustrated but kind of like like they're going to get up from this interview and they're going to miss their family but they're going to be able to go on with their lives in a way that like daniel and jay can't because they're living in probably a lie yes so as we said, like sprinkled throughout, we're sort of learning the timeline of, of what happened. But there's a lot of witnesses that they talk to. There are tons of witnesses. Yeah. And um, do you want to know who my favorite is? <laughs> yeah. Who's your favorite? Peter Grotto. <laughs> Peter Grotto is never changed Peter Grotto. <laughs> He, this is not him retelling the story. We get audio, God bless the audio, um, of him calling 911. And there are many people, like, yeah. some people are just, like, there's every, by, by this point, the police are like, we know, we're on it. Like, yeah. everyone is totally. calling about this, yeah. this driver. But Peter... Peter adds a little Long Island flair to it. Peter's like, you got a guy going the wrong way. Oof, maron. He's like a bat out of hell over here. Hey, police, now on. Yeah, you got a guy driving south on a northbound Taconic Parkway. Ooh, maron. I was in the left lane. Uh, just clear Pleasantville Road. He's going like a bat out of hell. He should be already on the same parkway right now. It's a minivan. Oof, maron. <laughs> on the 911 call. I mean, I know. that's a person who's so like confident in himself. Like, never yeah. change Peter Grant. And no. you're never gonna. Mm-hmm. And I love you for mm-hmm. it. And then, of course, you meet him. He's like in, you know, at, at work or whatever. Right. You can tell he's in like construction or whatever. And he's just like, no, seriously, he was like a bat out of hell of me. <laughs> I said, you got this guy. Uh. At this point, we meet celebrity. What, like, what is his actual job? 
He's like one of the most respected, yeah. if the most respected, um, like medical examiner, forensic. He was the one in, oh, in Mommy Dead and Dearest, where he was like, yeah. got his secretary. He was like, hey, tell them the cases I worked on. Yeah, he did. He was, you, if you saw West of Memphis, he's in that. He yeah. like totally changed the game for West of Memphis. Yeah. Um, he's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And totally. he has no time for your bullshit or no. your feelings. <laughs> well, he's reviewed the autopsy. So there's not any new science that he's bringing to the table. He's just bringing his perspective to the existing autopsy because Dan has had a lot of questions about like whether it was handled badly or you know did they maybe like Jay says at one point like oh we they saw that there was alcohol in her system and they didn't even look at anything else she could have had a stroke it could have been an abscess but so they first of all they come into this like room they come into this conference room and he's sitting and he's he's a million years old and he's like I can't really get up I'm all wired good afternoon I don't know if I can get up here because I'm all wired (laughs) it's very nice to meet you you. thank you for making the trip we appreciate it. And you can tell it's like a high rise. This yeah. is like a super fancy. Totally. And Jay comes in with her Diet Coke. <laughs> because she can't she can't smoke on camera yet. Exactly. She's still too stressed out, so she needs a little something. Yeah. So they sit down, and basically, Werner Spitz is like, yeah, the autopsy was done well. And uh, I gained the impression that the autopsy was done properly and was done well. Um, so is there anything that would, based on the autopsy, account for this crash? Alcohol and marijuana, if you will. He's like, so what accounted for it? Uh, the alcohol and the weed. <laughs> right. And you can just see that, like, Dan and Jay are not having it. They're like, well, but what What if, could it have been this? Could it have been that, you know? <laughs> My favorite is when Daniel's like, what about the abscessed tooth? And he's like, the what? <laughs> and he goes, the abscessed tooth. What about the abscessed tooth? The which? Abscessed tooth. Daniel's like, please, <laughs> yeah. just tell me what I want to hear. And Werner goes, the abscessed tooth? And you can tell he's like, is this guy fucking serious? A tooth? An abscessed tooth. Could that cause a stroke? Doesn't Could this... that cause a stroke? Yeah. In theory, yes. But based on the autopsy, there is none that I saw on microscopy. And it doesn't cause alcohol. <laughs> and then Daniel's like, yeah, could it cause a stroke? And he's like, Sure. But it can't cause a point two <laughs> right, one alcohol. Right, like exactly. it can't. It An can't 88.9% just. 88.9% alcohol. It just can't create that yeah. out of thin air. Like, could it cause a stroke? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could it just like cause alcohol to be in your system? No. no. Yeah. The question of the alcohol will always prevail. And he just says over and over again, like they just keep asking these questions, and he's like. Sure. Right. Still got to go back to the weed and the booze, you guys. Still, like... <laughs> yeah, like, like, and it really is at this moment that you see, like, the deep, deep denial, you know? And it, you know, when when you were... Like, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I, thinking back, like, but wait a minute. The lady at the trailer park says that she was fine. The guy at the McDonald's said she was that fine. Footage the footage at the gas station. Fine. And there's... The idea is floated that, like, at some point... And it probably happened really fast. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, her tooth hurt so much that she like had a swig of booze and then didn't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. It's hard to say. Like, everyone said she was fine, yet there was all of this booze in her system. Right. And like, you know, from we, the weed could have been from the night before. Uh-huh. And we even when we meet your girlfriend, Betsy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about her. The director of toxicology in Westchester County. Because she was just like, yeah, at the time of the accident, it was 0.19. Yeah. But what she what it, like it started with, like when she was at her drunkest, she was like 0.21. Yeah. And yeah. then there's like the on screen text of like what that what happens to you when you have this level yeah. of booze in you. And it's everything. 
it's that complete she did. blackout, like can't pay any attention. Like You're basically, motor skill, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. also the thing where it's like every witness said that she was focused. Yeah. She wasn't like usually when you think of a drunk driver or even when you see one on the road, someone's swerving. You're like, shit, I got to get the hell out of uh-huh. Dodge. Like, but she wasn't driving like it's that. It's just was so a matter much- of like, so if she wasn't drunk at the McDonald's and she wasn't drunk at the gas station, when did she drink that bottle of like, did she have a cup that she was drinking from and all of a sudden she was too drunk like who just doesn't pull over i i just i don't know i i, I someone can't who make wants everyone to think that they're perfect yeah right exactly someone who has been being the super mom she never had yeah and having this amazing fairy tale perfect mother thing yeah going on and she couldn't admit that she was in any pain her husband hardly knew about her tooth problem there's a, a couple of more things that happen. Yeah. So we, so Jay, so the, the whole, the whole crusade is that Jay and Daniel are trying to get a new, like Diane's body exhumed and a new autopsy done. Yeah. And there's, you know, barriers to that that are in the way. And at one point they get Jay like alone in the attic and Jay just like lets it all hang out. Yeah. I love how she like sort of steps off camera and does a little bit of a hushed tone. Yeah. Like Jay, we can hear you <laughs> and see half of your body. Like it's right, yeah, not, yeah. but basically she's like over Daniel and and she spills the tea, she as it totally, were, yeah. that like everyone's over him. Yeah. Because he's off all day. What are you doing all day? I don't get it. I know it sounds stupid, but he's off all day. You know, you're off all day. You don't even, no offense, you don't even see Brian. You bring him to school, you see him for five minutes and you go. And he's driving and everyone is like ready to put their foot down about him. Right, like he's a security guard and he works overnight. And then her kid, his kid is at school all day, so he's mm-hmm. not like with the kid. And I mean, what he's doing is grieving, you know? I mean, like he's grieving. I'm, I I can't even imagine it. Mark. I wonder too if like in his heart of hearts he knows that, that, what, that, it, that the original autopsy was right. So maybe he's dragging his feet getting another autopsy done because he doesn't want to find out the truth. Which leads us to the phone call with Tom Ruskin, who we find out had actually gotten a second autopsy done nine Nine months ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, up to... The, so Tom Ruskin's a, is a dirtbag. Right. But like, up to this point, we've been left to believe that he just, like, disappeared off the scene. Right. Which is not actually the case. He no. was calling Jay and calling people. He had the autopsy. He wanted to tell them what, what had happened. But she's like, oh, I was told not to answer your phone call. As I promised Danny, we retested at the beginning of last year. And I devoted my time because there was no additional monies. But... I sent the results to them. To Dominic. I never even heard back. And I called Danny, you. Well, I was told not to pick up because at this point, they didn't feel that they didn't believe that you were doing anything. So whenever that was, that was trying to give you the results of the test. So then I'm like, Jay, then why are you telling the documentary crew this whole time that, that he like, just disappeared? Come on. We can't track him down. Because they don't want to hear it. Because right. he says once again, now this is the millionth person to tell them it that's real. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nothing else caused it but drinking booze. Right. And smoking weed. Yeah. We retested the samples and it came back the same. The toxicology and the autopsy was correct. There's nothing else that caused that. Right. In the end, it it says that, like, Brian is at least in therapy and Mm -hmm. he's, you know, Jay tells this heartbreaking story about how he's been having tantrums and missing his mommy. And And Daniel, like, won't let him grieve, which is the worst thing a parent could do in that situation. And then you see, like, Daniel and Brian walking down that path, like, in the woods and Daniel tries to hold his hand and he, like, takes his hand away, but then he kind of, like, puts it back. And, I mean, I've got a three and a half year old. I know what that's, I know what that's like. Yeah. You know? 
Um, but it's it's devastating. And and somebody says in the movie, like, you're we're never really gonna know, you know? Yeah. I mean, what is your did you think she was just So here's what I think. Yeah. She's a very smart woman who clearly loved her family. So I don't imagine that she got in that car drunk. I don't imagine that she got in that car drunk. What I can possibly imagine is that she had like a coffee cup full of booze or she had like a a water jug that people thought had water in it that had booze in it and she just got too drunk. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think to make Mm -hmm. sense is that she was an alcoholic. She was secret drinking. I don't think she ever intended to hurt her kids. I don't understand how she could have pulled over at least twice that we know about. Right. Had been as drunk as she was and got back in the car and kept going. So that will always raise questions about. And drive so precise. Yeah. That's the thing. She yeah. wasn't swerving. Her eyes weren't. When you're that hammered. Yeah. Like your eyes get heavy and you're, and her eyes wide open. Right. Ready to go. But it just seems like if she was having some sort of medical emergency, she would have had the foresight to just stop and call somebody and say like, my tooth hurts too much. I need a, I need an ambulance or I'm having, a, who knows? Like, Could she not? Was she so, so obsessed with people thinking that nothing bad she wasn't experiencing any pain in any way in her life that she wouldn't do that I don't know and that and this is the great thing about this movie is that it's an eternal mystery we'll never know yeah this before we did this podcast this was the movie that I would come I would go to and watch when I just wanted like a total mind f of a movie because nothing makes sense nothing makes sense it's why the movie is so brilliant yeah so there's a warning at the top of the movie that there's like graphic images from the crash site okay and (laughs) I thought that it was like the news footage in the beginning. I forgot that like the, at the end, they show her dead body. Mm-hmm. There are pictures of Diane Schuler mm-hmm. dead. Her eyes open. It's horrible. It's horrifying. And like as, not knowing it's going to be there, I couldn't pull my eyes away I from know. it. Bless this mess of an audio medium that we can't, <laughs> there's not even the option. I know, I know, I know. It is Horrifying. It's horrifying and it's like so much like I get the the horror of it I just sat through an hour and 40 minutes I of know. the story I really didn't need that to, to be see driven her home dead body and like I mean, the broken absolute vodka glass oh bottle my too. god it's like, it's like, I, we know. Get it. I know it's we get it. we get it we get it we get it we it's the worst thing ever yeah You guys, thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you for holding our hand through that. Yeah. You know what's great? Puppies and dogs and rainbows. Rainbows. Gay pride. You guys, the iTunes reviews are just going gangbusters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't believe it. People keep calling us crazy. So we love you counteracting us. Counteracting that means the world to us. Loving it. Jillian, what is your Twitter handle? I am at Jillian with a G. All spelled out like that. I am at Patrick Hines. You can find us at True Crime Obsess. And you can find all of our episodes and all the good stuff at truecrimeobsessed.com. Yep. What are we doing next, girl? We are doing Prophets Pray. I had not heard of this, but Jillian promises that if we do an episode on Mormons, she'll be super funny. (laughs) Well, I just love the goddamn Mormon fundamentalists. I know. I just... God bless that mess. Maybe it's because I'm in a a big love rewatch because I love that show. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is just insane. Totally. Now, you guys, we are taking next week off. I just want to say we are taking next week off. I don't want you to be mad. We are just taking a week off. Mm-hmm. We've done like 100 episodes in a row. We're yeah. almost at episode 20. I know. Isn't that insane? It's crazy. And um, just give yourself, you work your ass off for this. Yeah. You deserve the week off. Thank you. I Thank don't want you. any bullshit from anybody about it. <laughs> 
You deserve it. You're taking the week off. Ellen Marsh, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Cut me some slack, girl. Come on. <laughs> Listen, Jillian and I each make 100 podcasts. If you if you need a fix of us, go find me. Um, I make a podcast called Theater People and Broadway Backstory. Jillian. I make the Hamilcast. So go find us. We yeah. love you, and we'll see you in a week. Bye. So here's the trailer for Prophets Pray and then a couple of outtakes. This is a revelation from the Lord God of heaven. They had a plan ready to go in case something happened, and that something happened in April of 2008. Hanging over this this whole thing is, we got all these kids, we cannot have another Waco. Our young people need to be protected from evil influences so that when they face evil, they already have a natural love for the truth. My mom woke me up and says, hurry, we gotta get you dressed, you have an appointment with the prophet. When he asked me to marry him at 16, I honestly believe that that's what God wanted. If you're keeping sweet no matter what, you're a person ready to give up your own will and just obey the priesthood over you. He's abusing these kids and then he would go right back on top of that stage and preach the word of God. Warren told them to give him their paycheck, everything they make. The assets are worth $110 million, and it's all his. We need to stop Warren S. Jeffs from destroying families, kicking us out of our homes, and marrying our children. They physically surrounded the temple, praying for our destruction before we went in. We never really knew how sick he really was, how young the girls were. They started taking the kids off the ranch, thinking there were just a few, and they just kept coming. 100, 200, 300. If Warren told them to die at their posts, they would die at their posts. It's wise not to discount that possibility. He prays for my destruction. Well, if I was religious, I would pray for his destruction. You must be filled with the heavenly fire, or you will be damned, and you will lose your place. How much more straight do I have to talk? By 9.56 a.m., they stop at the McDonald's in Liberty, New York. Because let's be honest, who doesn't want to have McDonald's for breakfast every day? I mean, I you're already on the road. <laughs> it's travel food. My husband will tell you all about it. <laughs> this is the time, you guys. And it's so like, I got it. It's got to be fast. And we really want to get home and beat the traffic. And like, Any excuse in the book. And you're not going to make a McGriddle at home. You're going to get it at McDonald's. Yeah. There's no such thing as a homemade McGriddle. <laughs> what are you talking about? But and she's on a mission. She's yeah. looking for something. They don't have whatever she's looking for. She's on her way. Probably Yoohoo. That's what I'm always looking for when I go into a convenience store oh at a gas station. My dad loves Yoohoo. I love so, it so I much. love Yoohoo. <laughs> if you get like a bagel in the morning, you know, you and get you're a like, yeah. Play practice. Isn't that that's such a parent? I that's used, like everyone's aunt calls it play practice. I know. Practice, I used right? to have a neighbor when I was gr- growing up where every time I would leave the house, they'd say, Are you going acting? Are you going acting? That's amazing. <laughs> my friend Allison, who listens to this podcast, will corroborate. Are you going acting? Are you going acting? acting? Yes. <laughs> I want a bumper sticker that says I'd rather be acting. I'd rather be going acting. Gone acting. <laughs> Gone acting. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God.